0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support.
1: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Captains, you're listening to episode 252 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded on Wednesday, December 16th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, December 21st, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And Winters is out celebrating his day of birth! So, happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday, Winters. So, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got in store for this episode?
0: Well, in this week's Trek It Out, frankly, it's uh, been pretty quiet. We're looking at why Bill Nye thinks Star Trek is better than Star Wars. Spoiler, it's because Star Trek is totally rad. Oh, and a tiny little thing called the new Star Trek Beyond trailer has leaked. So, yeah, we're talking about that, too. In Star Trek Online News, among other things, we've got great news for fans of Aaron Eisenberg. On screen, Cookie and Elijah are deconstructing the TNG episode Code of Honor, and Henry is here with a review of some out of this world fan art. Of course, throughout the show, we keep hailing frequencies open for your incoming
2: messages. Captains, we're fans of Trek just like you, so join in on the discussion by leaving us comments on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO. 252 or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or follow us on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget right on our homepage.
0: And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, our servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority1.
2: Now, let's track out the latest in Star Trek news. Join, oh. Then let's track it out. Well, it seems we spoke too soon. The same day episode 251 of Priority 1 released with our pre-trailer trash talk, lo and behold... A German version leaks out on the interwebs, and hours later, Paramount says, Frack it, just release the English version. It's not like we paid a bajillion dollars to debut it with that Star Wars film. (laughs) Of course, the
0: internet blew up, figuratively. Here's what some of you, our listeners, had to say. Jesse White at Keshmar Orange tweeted, At Priority One Pod, as long as it isn't another Star Trek movie remake, I'll be sure to enjoy it. Looks like just a big epic away mission. And Dan at D. Canescu also tweeted, Honestly, looks like they've made a super serial version of Galaxy Quest. Hashtag died in episode
2: 81. That is by far my favorite tweet ever in the history of Evers. Because it's it's true. (laughs) It's a super serial version of Galaxy Quest.
0: (laughs) It's like it's come full circle, hasn't it? (laughs) It has. It really has. Even Star Trek Beyond's director, Justin Lin, had something to say about the trailer in a roundtable interview with several media outlets like TrekCore.com.
2: First, Mr. Lin blames marketing for the explosive Fast and the Furious feel to the trailer. When asked about the motorcycle jump, Lin replied, quote, When I saw the teaser, I'm like, Aw, sh**. You really have to put the motorcycle in there? So, for Fast and Furious comments, I get it, I get it, I get it. End quote. In the interview, he tried to remind fans that there is more to the film than a trailer. Quote, The one thing I wanted to make sure is that it hopefully represents that we are trying to be bold and take risks. Whether we are successful or not, I don't know. End quote. But it looks like we get a glimpse of the plot and an attempt to make this movie about the Star Trek philosophy. Lin said in the interview, quote, What would happen if you go on a five-year journey, and you're trying not only to explore, but also maybe introduce other people to your way of thinking? What are the consequences of that? You're spreading a philosophy that you think is great. Are there going to be any philosophies that counter you? That was something I thought about since I was a kid, and we got to explore that." So, let me get this straight. In a nutshell, Kirk starts his five-year mission, screws up First Contact Diplomacy, and manages to piss off an alien race that kamikazes themselves with a billion tiny ships. Well, anywho, Star Trek fans aren't too pleased with what they've seen, and for what I believe are justifiable reasons. How about you, Kenna? What did you think about the trailer?
0: Uh, it's fine. I, well, I think it looks exciting, and I will probably wait till it comes out on Blu-ray to see it there wasn't anything that caught me about the trailer that said I absolutely must see this film and also where's all the women but that's another discussion I think that it just was fine I I think it was for an action flick yeah, it's an action yeah, it flick. It's an, an action, action flick, flick yeah. with Star Trek branding. It's like somebody took a, well, in the retail industry, we call it a white label, like a white label action film, and they branded it Star Trek, so they put Star Trek uniforms and a Star Trek logo on it and made it Star trek E. Eh, I, I don't know. I, like I said, it didn't, it didn't light a fire under me. I think it will probably be solid, and I can almost guarantee it will be enjoyable to watch, and I think it will be a well-made film, which is a big plus. Whether it kind of does it for me as part of a franchise, I'm not sure. I I will reserve judgment.
2: It's funny that you bring up franchise because a Washington Post article by Brian Fung kind of resonated with me. I think it sums it up pretty well. And here's the quote. That the Enterprise basically keeps getting destroyed in these films has got to be a metaphor for the franchise itself. Ripped apart and put back together ad infinitum. Looking less and less like its former self each time. End quote. Well, I think... I think that's pretty accurate. Uh,
0: yeah, it is pretty accurate. I just... I, I'm i failing to see at the moment where these films are fitting in. They, they kind of feel like they're still dangling out there, sort of, you know, on the edge of the galaxy. Um, and not kind of fitting in and meshing well with the rest of what we know. So, I don't know. So, obviously... We've got a lot more to say about this trailer, along with some of the other members of the cast and crew of Priority One podcast, so we're adding a new Patreon perk for our $10 plus patrons. Not only will you have access to the unedited live recording of Priority One episodes, but you'll now have exclusive access to our after-hours show, unscripted, unedited, unleashed, uncensored. Uncensored. Look, it'll probably involve some libations and topics that will get our mouths running off. Anyway, we'll be publishing this week's Trailer Bashing Roundtable discussion as a supplemental for all our listeners so you know what you'll be getting. Then in the new year, we'll be contacting our patrons with information on how you can listen in and chat with us live during this discussion. Then in the new year, we'll be contacting our patrons with information on how you can listen in and chat with us live during the discussion, which will happen after we go off the air on Thursday nights. Come join us! It'll be fun, or a mess, we're not sure yet.
2: Probably a mess, but a fun mess.
0: And that actually brings us to this week's first community question. (laughs) While we're talking about the new Star Trek film, we want to hear your thoughts on the old ones. What's your favorite moment from a Star Trek film, and why?
2: In other Trek-related news this week, on their YouTube channel, Rolling Stone Magazine lets Bill Nye decide. Star Wars versus Star Trek a short little video, but Bill Nye really articulates some of the core differences between the two franchises. For instance, he describes Star Wars as very Shakespearean, family feuds, socio-political class struggles, and, well, magic. The Force. However, for Star Trek, he says, quote, it's an optimistic future with science, end quote. He harps a little on the Force as a magical, invisible figure, almost mocking it, But I think that, for a short minute and a half clip, it's a really nice nutshell comparison. What I found interesting is that he opens the video with, Some of my best friends like Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. Like, something like, Nah, I like druids. My closest friend is from Druidia. Five points for the person that gets that reference. Funny.
3: She doesn't look druish.
0: So now let's open hailing frequencies for some of your feedback about last week's Trek It Out. And here's a reminder of what the community question was Who would you like to see as the new captain? It could be a specific actor or just a description of what they might be like.
2: Small Yoda wrote I think we should remember that when TNG began its seven year run, we had a Klingon as part of the bridge crew, and in TOS, the Federation and the Klingon Empire were in a state of war. Having Worf on the bridge indicated a newfound peace. Keeping that in mind, I think it would be interesting to have a Romulan captain. This would indicate a newfound peace between the Federation and the Romulan Star Empire. Isn't it now the Romulan Republic, though, technically? Oh
0: god, I always get confused about the two of them. I know, I'm a bad Star Trek fan, but it does confuse me.
2: I guess it matters if you are which universe you're in.
0: Uh, True. Uh, And anyway, I'm I'm not sure they even want to have peace between the Federation and the Romulans because that is a great source of
2: conflict always has been. I, I'm tired of the Federation and the Klingon Empire's tumultuous break up, get back together, break up, get back together. They're like a bad couple.
0: Yeah, they need to sort that out. Frankly, <laughs> frankly Federation, I think you should drop that loser empire because <laughs> you can't keep you can't keep pandering to whatever he wants <laughs> or she wants. <laughs> Just end it and be done. <laughs> Throw all, give, give There are
2: others. Yeah. There are others out there. Yeah, there are, there are other empires in the galaxy <laughs> that will respect you and treat you <laughs> with.
4: Okay, all right, <laughs> that's it. Ah, oh,
0: that's a great. Yeah, okay. Ward Callis wrote in. I honestly think that the new captain should be an alien, perhaps an unjoined trill or other human-looking species. This would allow approaching sensitive topics in a different perspective, where the taboo can be legitimately normal and that be okay. And because they look close to human, it means they are still relatable. It just opens up so many doors.
2: Now, why an unjoined trill? Why not a, why not a joined trill?
0: Uh, ooh, I don't know, Ward Callus, You'll have to write in and tell
2: us. <laughs> because I'm thinking of of that episode of TNG where Doctor Crusher falls in love with the, the the male carrier, and then the symbiote has to be transferred into a female, but the female carrier, because it absorbs, you know, it, it assimilates the memories of, of the Trill, still loves Beverly, that addressed some pretty interesting topics. And so maybe a joint Trill would be a nice way of, of bringing those up.
0: Yeah, I don't know enough about uh, the, the, the backstory of the Trill Society. I'm not sure how exactly that would work. And you'd have to do a little bit of retcon, I think, to, to make it make sense for somebody who effectively changes bodies and faces (laughs) to then be the captain of a starship. But uh, it's an interesting idea and, and and one topic that maybe we'll explore in a, in a future Trek it out.
2: Mark Case wrote Olivia Wilde as a new captain Kirk, a cousin to James Tiberius, whoever becomes captain. It has to be a captain with a capital C character, someone we can identify it with and see the Trek universe through his or her eyes. The captain should not be a drama queen with all kinds of flaws and baggage, but a general dose of Indiana Jones would be appreciated.
0: Well, see, I I disagree with that, because I think uh, you could also take it from the flip side. If you have a crew of you know, seven people, you could make it so that the captain is a drama queen, but then you're you're playing the audience through the eyes of the crew, and, and that captain would be then somebody that you were viewing as an outsider to your experience, if that makes sense. So you, you could flip it around like that. And it will be interesting to see how they create that dynamic, because we've always had sort of a captain or a commander or a we're talking about the br- basically a bridge crew or a command crew as the focus of the series. They might not. but they, I mean, they should. That's kind of what Star Trek does. But they could make it that the main character, quote unquote, is actually the crew rather than the captain. So, did we miss anything this week in Trek? Then send it over to us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
2: Now, let's find out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer
1: status report. Status. Incoming message.
2: I'm only in the mood for good news
0: today well captains this is the part of the show where we take you through the big news of the week in star trek online mark is still off ill so i've roped in poor tony from our sister podcast guard frequency to help me out
5: poor tony yeah i'll go get him i'm the <laughs> moderately you know uh, middle income tony I'll, I'll go find poor tony
0: uh so anyway tony what's first up this week
5: well, this week, Star Trek Online uh, was featured in Massively OP's Perfect 10 Best Free to Play MMO RPGs. Hot on the heels, of course, of naming Priority One the best Star Trek Online podcast. Whoop, whoop. That's right. The Star- MassivelyOP.com said this was the best free to play MMO on the market. Columnist Elliot Lefebvre admitted that the ranking methodology was completely subjective. Uh, He confessed his love for all things Star Trek and allowed that the game can be a bit overwhelming to the novice. But he keeps coming back. Why? Well, it could be the, quote, "...spectacular space combat, fascinating stories, player-generated content, wonderful fidelity to source environments, tons of customization, flexibility of play, I could go on," unquote. Also, getting nods in the top ten list were Cryptic's uh, Dungeons and Dragons Neverwinter at number four, and that other franchise's MMO. I forget the one, but it came in at number seven. You know that other space franchise.
0: That which other one?
5: Yeah, Star Star Conflict, Star Star Battles, Star Space Battle. I'd something.
0: Space battle. Okay, uh, it's fine. I'll look it up later. Yeah, we'll look it up. Well, in other Star Trek Online news, there is good news for fans of Aaron Eisenberg, DS9's Nog, and the voice of Captain Nog, one of the major characters from STO's Iconian War story arc. As many of you know, we were saddened to find out a few months back that Aaron was suffering from kidney failure and was very ill. For fans of this podcast, you'll remember Aaron as a feisty and hilarious personality whose in-character outbursts at the Stowe Dev panel in Las Vegas inspired the hashtag GoPlayAFerengi. We were fortunate to have him crash our interview with Al Rivera while we were there, and we all consider him a friend of the show. So it was a delight this week to learn that he's found a donor and will shortly be undergoing another kidney transplant. This will be his second. He underwent his first when he was just 17. On his Facebook page, Aaron posted, quote, "'December 29th, 2015 is the big day, and we are so overjoyed and thankful to my donor, Beth Bernstein. She's a friend of my family that my mother and I have known for many years. She offered to donate immediately upon hearing about my kidney failure. She went through the vigorous testing, and everything worked out wonderfully. Obviously, words cannot express my deepest gratitude for this gift.' So with that announcement, I would again like to express my heartfelt thank you to everyone, to all of you that have sent me messages, words of encouragement, hope, love, prayers, good thoughts, and everything in between. It made a huge difference in my life, and I will forever be grateful." End quote. Aaron also thanked his family and friends for their love and support. All in all, it's a really inspiring message, and we'll leave a link in the show notes. To help with the medical bills for the transplant, Aaron's partner, Melissa Longo, has set up a GoFundMe page, and we'll leave a link for that as well if you'd like to donate. Just go to priority1podcast.com forward slash PO252 for more information. Aaron, if you're listening, we here at Priority One Podcast wish you the best, and we hope you get well soon, buddy. You've been a great source of joy to us here, and we hope to see more from you in the future. Hashtag go play a Ferengi.
5: And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. The Alachi Sheshar Dreadnought Cruiser R&D pack promo is still in full swing. Don't forget, you can buy special promotional R&D packs from the Sea Store and have a chance to win a free Tier Six ship. This one doesn't come along that often, so if you're in the market, give it a go. Q's Winter Wonderland is also still on, and if you're listening to this episode on Monday, 21st of December, you've got just enough time to run the daily race and earn this year's promotional ship, the Breen Resreth Dreadnought Cruiser. And don't forget that over the Christmas weekend, there's a bonus XP event going on, so make the most of your turkey coma, or if you don't celebrate Christmas, make the most of the weekend, uh, and earn yourself a few spec points.
0: As always, these events are subject to change without notice. Be sure to keep an eye on the in-game calendar or keep tuning in to Priority One Podcast for the latest updates.
5: Now let's check in with Cookie and Elijah and find out what's on screen. On screen.
4: Hello, Captains. I'm Cookie.
2: And I'm Elijah.
4: And this week we're reviewing Code of Honor, written by Catherine Powers and Michael Barron and directed by Russ Mayberry and Les Landau. This episode first aired on October 12, 1987.
2: So here's a quick summary. The Enterprise visits planet Ligon 2 in order to get their hands on a very rare vaccine that simply cannot be synthesized for the Federation planet Styrus IV suffering from Anhele's fever. Although it's not a first contact mission, cultures clash when Tan kidnaps Tasha Yar, Now, Picard must tread lightly in order to save Yar and millions of lives back on Styrus IV.
4: And here are some fun facts. The writer, Catherine Powers, also wrote an episode of Stargate SG-1 with a very similar plot called Emancipation, where a female officer is abducted and later participates in a fight to the death. (laughs) And if you didn't already know, this episode got a lot of negative feedback for obvious reasons. It was rumored that Gene Roddenberry even fired the director, Russ Mayberry, halfway through the production because he objected to the casting choice, which was all African American actors portraying a primitive race. Because in the teleplay, only Lutan's guards were specifically written as being African. According to Will Wheaton, director Russ Mayberry also acted in a racist manner toward the African American actors. He was replaced by first assistant director Les Lando for the remainder of the episode. So let's see what some of the actors thought of this episode.
2: Jonathan Frakes commented, quote, The worst and most embarrassing, and one that even Gene would have been embarrassed by, was that horrible racist episode from the first season, Code of Honor. Oh my god in heaven, end quote.
4: Brent Spiner said, It was just a racist episode. Maybe not intentionally, but it felt that way, and looked that way. It was the third episode, so it was fortuitous that we did our worst that early on, and it never quite got that bad again.
1: Luton, we are aware of many of your planet's achievements, and its unique similarity to an ancient Earth culture we all admire. On behalf of the Federation, therefore, I would like to present this token of our gratitude and friendship.
2: Star Trek Voyager actor Garrett Wong said this episode stinks, to which LeVar Burton agreed, adding, without question, at a Star Trek panel at Dragon Con.
4: Michael Dorn referred to this episode as the worst episode of Star Trek ever filmed. So yeah, a lot of people hated this episode.
2: So other than being a very racist episode, Cookie, what, what did you think about it?
4: Well, this episode started out okay. Tasha Yar showing pride in her work. visitors being forced to respect her place as chief of security, and then it kind of went downhill from there. I think it would have been okay if they just made a new alien race that didn't already look exactly like a human race we already have here on planet earth, but since they didn't do that, it did appear to be racist, especially since they made the race primitive and in some areas just ignorant and unintelligent. I don't know if it was because of the budget, or they didn't have time to make a new alien race, or maybe it was just laziness, but that would have made a big difference in the reception of this episode. The whole time I was watching, I was just like, why is Picard humoring these people? Why are they playing along in the charade? Why not just take Tasha back? They could easily do it, but I guess it was because of the antidote they needed, which I think they should have just taken that too. The natives don't mind stealing people, why not just steal all the antidote? And they kept saying they couldn't because of the Prime Directive, but I don't think the Prime Directive even applied in this situation. They were fully aware of the Federation's existence, and it's not like the Federation were going to give them some advanced technology.
2: No, because it's, it's not... The Prime Directive doesn't only apply to new species that they encounter, it also applies to getting involved in other species' cultures and government, so...
4: They, they asked for it, okay? Kidnapping... They're going to have to get involved. I also thought it was really odd and completely out of character for Tasha Yar to have a crush on her abductor. I mean, come on. He kidnapped her, and we're supposed to believe that because of his power and status, Tasha Yar is just going to overlook that and start having feelings for him. Really? I, yeah, I don't think I'm pretty so.
2: sure she wasn't there long enough for Stockholm Syndrome.
4: Yeah, that that's... Especially since her childhood and everything, I don't think that that... I mean, come on. And, and I don't think she's that dumb to be so easily tricked by Diana.
1: Lutan is such, such a basic male image, and having him say he wants you. Yes, of course, it made me feel good when he- Troy, I'm your friend and you tricked me! Only so you'd think about it, completely
4: and clearly. To just accidentally spout off about how much she enjoys the attention she's getting from this guy. None of that was believable to me. This episode is one that you could just easily skip, and you would not miss any important information in the Star Trek universe.
2: So, yeah, this has to be one of the most racist episodes by far. I mean, honestly, I was hoping that at some point in the episode, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall were going to waltz in mm-hmm. with some humor to make, it, to make this, this horrible episode turn into some kind of a parody why why can't i find my own wife
1: we've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife
2: i want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins where will you find such a woman in america i'm referencing the film coming to america by the way because this episode isn't a commentary on anything it's just an insult like there's 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 nothing to learn from this episode. And there's barely even any subplot between the characters, right? The Enterprise characters, to help justify the main plot. The closest we get is between Beverly and Jean-Luc when they talk about seeing their fair share of death. You've never had to watch a patient die from this disease.
1: That's true, but I have seen my share of
2: death. (sighs) Damn. Is he reminding her that he saw her husband die? Then again, we see something of a character development when Deanna and Data suggest that Picard go down to the surface against Starfleet regulation. There's a moment when we see Riker break some of the professional demeanor with Picard with this line.
1: Yes, it seems reasonable, put that way. But I warn you, if you get hurt, I'll put you on report, Captain.
2: I don't know. I'm probably just grasping at strings just to bring some meaning to this terrible episode, and for all this abhorrent racism and stereotyping, the premise of the episode can be summed up with this one line from Picard.
3: I may not understand human humor, sir, but I am a Starfleet Academy
1: graduate, which means, of course, understanding the prime directive, sir. That is, ironically, what this is about. By our standards, the customs here, their code of honor is the same kind of pompous, strutting charades that endangered our own species a few centuries ago. We evolved out of it because no one tried to impose their own set of I'm sorry, this is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Carry on.
2: There are much better ways to depict cultural differences, but to mock a race and mask it as aliens in space with a different code of conduct than us is just plainly, plainly bad writing. This episode does nothing to address cultural differences other than accurately depict ignorance. How one culture figures out a way to get the best of another culture just to meet an agenda, right? Because the whole premise of this is to get the vaccine. This is one of those episodes I'd I'd like to forget, kind of like I want to forget the Enemy Within from the original series. But because we reviewed this episode, we do have to pick our favorite quotes. Cookie, what was yours?
4: Well, it had nothing to do with that plot. It was on the ship, and it's when Picard was like, is the whole ship deaf? Sit down over there, young man, temporarily.
1: I haven't stepped one foot on your bridge, Captain. It's All right, sir, I'll see that he leaves immediately. No. No? Why don't you sit at ops next to Lieutenant LaForge? Sir? Sir? Is the whole ship deaf? Sit down over there, young man.
4: When he's um, When Captain Picard gave Wesley a chance to sit at one of the stations on the bridge, and the crew was like, huh? I like that moment. I like it when Picard yells at Wesley. So,
2: again, I'm, I'm grasping at strings here, right, with the whole subplot, with, the, with even just trying to identify a subplot between Picard and Beverly and Riker and, and Picard. Um, so I don't have a favorite quote, but I definitely have a favorite scene, or more specifically, a favorite moment of acting. It happens midway into the episode. So Picard is already down on the surface and Riker is on the bridge of the Enterprise. Beverly comes onto the bridge and reads an update of the situation on Styrus IV. If you notice, she uses her hand to guide her eyes as she reads. Now, my guess is that there really wasn't anything of significance on that panel. Right, we've seen what the bridge of the Enterprise panels look like. But Gates McFadden is such a beast of an actor. And boy did she make me believe that she was reading off that panel. It's it's moments like these, especially with Gates McFadden, her nuances as an actor that confound me as to why she was booted off the show for a season. She's just amazing.
4: Yeah, Gates McFadden is amazing. She is such a good actress and she does theater and all those actors that do theater, I think they have a a special something. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages about last week's review of The Naked Now.
2: So Sean Newboy commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. So, after commenting on Naked Now, I imagine a young cookie writing fanfiction about data and being fully functional. (laughs) Naked Now was just poorly done all around, and was definitely done too early in the run. It should have been no sooner than the midpoint of the season. Wonderful show, everyone.
4: Neon Phase, posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I just recently rewatched all of the Next Generation series, and I did not care for that episode. But thinking about it more, I think I would like it if it were maybe ten or more episodes into the series. That's a common thought that a lot of people think that it should have been further in. Not
2: only that, but I think it really needed to have been. It's like TNG really need, needed to take ownership. Maybe they, maybe they fall upon this affliction in the same way that that the original series crew does um but it, it's almost exactly like a carbon copy and I, I wish they would have spent a little more time trying to find a way to make it their own really the most unique part of it is data's <laughs> romp in the rice paddy with tasha yar
4: um i can see why they did it because anytime a new star trek series comes out the old star trek fans are going to be kind of critical of it And I think they were trying to be like, see, we were paying homage. Accept us. But I guess it just didn't go over too well. But I get the motivation behind it. And I, of course, personally love the episode, so.
2: Well, that wraps it up for this week's on-screen review for Star Trek, The Next Generation, Code of Honor. Now we're joined by our graphic artist, Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, to showcase some Star Trek fan art from around the
3: globe. Hello, Captains. This is Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, with a review of an online comic called Star Trek Legacy. It's a 16-page story by writer Philip Lawrence. Doctor Who fans might know him from his professional work on Big Finish Audio short stories, Question Marks, and Little Doctors, featuring THE Colin Baker. Mr. Lawrence's website is actionfiguretheater.co.uk. That's spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E for those of us in the U.S. The site is filled with great comics, including stories from Harry Potter, Torchwood, Indiana Jones, Doctor Who, and of course, Star Trek. There are also a couple of stories about something called Star Battles, or Space Wars, or Star Wars or something. I don't know, it must be big in the UK. I encourage you to check those out too. The comics are painstakingly made using action figures, hand-built sets, and Photoshop wizardry. I envy this guy's action figure collection. The story does not suffer from a lack of cast. They've got appearances from Romulans, Ferengi, Benzites, there's a Vulcans, Borg, Bajoran, even the Founders. The story takes place on Stardate 48975.2, which puts it between season 3 and 4 of DS9, but after the events of Star Trek Generations. The Enterprise-D had just been destroyed. Picard and crew are still aboard the Farragut, which was the ship that picked them up at the end of Generations. According to the author, the main reason for this is he didn't have an Enterprise-E model, though he decided ultimately to keep the crew on the Farragut because it was still in accordance with continuity. The story was originally written in 1994, when Deep Space Nine was huge, so it's immersed in that era. TNG was Lawrence's favorite franchise, though, so bringing the two together for a crossover made sense. The composition and design work were what initially drew me in, but the writing was really what I enjoyed the most. There's a short sequence of dialogue between Quark and Rom at the beginning of the story that shows a really great understanding of the characters and how they interact. The writer's knowledge of the characters and their relationships really shows through throughout the entire 16-issue story arc. The issues themselves are short. Having been created for a weekly digital release, they consist of about two pages worth of regular comic content. The 16-issue DS9 next-gen crossover had a great pace and moved along without dragging or getting sidetracked something I see a lot in less refined fan comics. The terrific behind-the-scenes section that accompanies each issue gives great insight into the creative process. As an artist, it's a thrill for me to see into another person's creative process. Philip Lawrence is a professional, and it shows through in his fan work on both Star Trek and Doctor Who. His attention to detail and the characters he writes should delight a casual fan and really be an inspiration to those looking to get into professional creative work. Unfortunately, there won't be any more Star Trek stories coming to Action Figure Theatre anytime soon. But there's plenty on the site to keep you busy in the meantime, and I encourage everybody to visit actionfiguretheater.co.uk.
2: Well, that wraps it up for episode 252 of Priority One Podcast, the final episode of 2015. We'll be back with a live recording of episode 253 on Thursday, January 7th. Until then, safe travels this holiday season and a happy new year. But before we wrap things up, we received some great feedback via SpeakPipe from our listener, Rarva. Hey guys, I just want to thank you very, very much for a great show, great content, good laughs, and for making my weekly commutes very much more comfortable than they normally would be keep up the good work really love everything you do cheers rava thanks so much for your feedback rava i know about that long commute i used to have it and i would listen to several podcasts to and from so i'm glad that you've included us in your day and your week thank you so very much we appreciate it and for all of our other listeners, we love hearing from you too. So, like Rarva, you can leave us a voicemail by clicking on the Speak Pipe widget on our homepage. And that's in addition to things like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. And of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
0: And if you'd like to leave us a comment, here's a reminder of this week's community question. What's your favorite moment from a Star Trek film and why?
2: Stay up to date with all things Star Trek by downloading our episodes every Monday morning. You can do so by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priority1podcast.com. Speaking of podcasts, don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
0: Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towry can be commissioned at Towry Designs. That's T-O-W-R-Y designs.deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan. To our video editor Jerry Tillman and consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of HollowSweet Media for supporting this show.
2: Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost, and James Calvin. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our friends, and our listeners because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up.
0: Engage. Engage. Of course, uh, T-Interwebs blew up. Wait, what? te t- t- interwebs <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's technically, it should be. It's not, it's not, it's not the, the interwebs.
2: No, it's te interwebs with a Z. <laughs> I am right. Some of my best friends like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. Like, nah, dudes. I like druids. My closest friend is from Druidia. Five points for the person that gets that reference.
0: Yeah, you totally fluffed that bit. You said some of my best friends like Star Trek.
2: Oh,
1: shit.
0: Did yeah. I?
2: Damn.
0: <laughs> it's like totally changes the whole. <laughs> Damn.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Man, it was a pretty decent delivery I know, it was really good. Too. I know.
0: Except <laughs> for that, I was like, no, just take it back. Oh. <laughs> uh... I'm surrounded by assholes.
2: <laughs> now let's find out what happened in Star Trek Online news. I'm only in the mood for good news today.
4: According to Will Wheaton, director. Will Wheaton. This again. <laughs> okay, I'll do Brant. <laughs> Hi, Brant. You're listening. And I don't wanna miss a thing